welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate your time and we will try to put it to good use today. I am, okay, all of today's podcast is stemming around this one really interesting question that I've been, I've been mulling over for a little while. The question I've been, I've been wondering is, what makes the American culture a petri dish for narcissism? Like, why is it that this culture is just ripe for narcissistic taking? So if we look at narcissism as a living organism, say something like cancer, what questions would we first ask if we were trying to beat this thing? Well, from my vantage point, I'm going to ask the basics, right? Like This is what I do in therapy, at least. I say, well, how did you eat, sleep, and exercise this week? So I would ask questions like, what does narcissism eat? What does it breathe? What does it drink? What do, how does it exercise? And when does it go to sleep? And how long will it stay asleep? Is there some way to slow it down or make it dormant? That's, that's where my mind went. So with that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to outline some of these things for you. All right, I'm going to start with uh, one. I'm just going to plug away. I'm going to talk about what it looks like in our culture, maybe why our culture is a Petri dish, but then also expand that and potentially have some solutions for you as we go. So let's start with what does it eat? If, if we're looking at what is the, the food substance of narcissism, I think it's, it's pretty clear. It starts from this grandiose sense of self-importance, all right? What that means, what that means is it feels like it's better than you and me. Like it feels like it is stronger and more capable and it can take over whenever and however it wants. So in our culture, when we have this, you know, this stuff going on, let's say on social media, where people can be silenced just by saying, you suck and I hate you. Uh, okay. What does that mean? Grandiose sense of self-importance. It's the idea that we can belittle and demean others, bully, harass, intimidate as a means of saying, see, I'm better. I'm more talented. I made you be quiet. It does, it's all designed on exaggerations and minimizations. It's all designed on lies, secrets, and deceptions. So when we talk about what it eats, man, look, social media is a playground for it. But so are our politics. So is our school system right now. Where for whatever reason, whether you like it and agree with it, dislike it, disagree with it, whatever. Our school system right now, in many places, believes they are superior 
to the parents who birthed and raised these children. That's a grandiose self-importance. That, that means they believe they are better than. And that feeds narcissism. So our culture is ripe there. What does it breathe? Like what can it not live without for very long? It needs two things that I see. One, it needs to be supremely unique and special. Once it becomes like everything else, it begins to fade. So the uniqueness is critical and it can't live without being unique for very long. Minutes, hours, you know, maybe on a cultural level, days, weeks, and it will begin to fade. It will also require admiration. If it's unique but doesn't get the admiration, it also begins to fade. And not just admiration, but over-the-top admiration. I'll give you an example of, of narcissism uh, as, as far as admiration goes. There's a, a, a swimmer, um, Will Thomas, who converted, is now... I don't remember what the name was that they chose. Um, and then swam against female athletes. Now, why do I bring that up? Because when we look at narcissism, it's a great example of admiration being necessary and excessive, right? The idea of swimming against a lesser athlete. Let's be real. Like when we look at competitive athletes, Biologically, women cannot keep up with men as a whole. Some of the mediocre men would dominate women athletics in most sports. So for a man to go into a woman's sport and dominate and then stand there and be like, yeah, look what I did. Look what I've accomplished. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. It's mind-boggling that people don't see that as what it is, which is narcissism. It's, it's that breath that, oh, I'm unique. I'm a trans athlete and I deserve excessive admiration. Now, I want to be clear. I am not getting involved in the trans athlete debate Right now, what I am doing is pointing to someone who was clearly narcissistic in their approach, regardless of whether it's a male, a female, by the way, narcissism, narcissism is, is rampant among males and females right now. Like we've never seen before. It's running wilder than we've ever seen it in history. So it's breath, uniqueness, and admiration. So what does it drink? What does it need pretty routinely, but it can live without for a short period of time? Entitlement. The right to be exactly what it says it is. 
I deserve this admiration. I deserve to be called unique. I deserve to get the award. I deserve whatever. The entitlement. It's like, uh, I deserve, I, you know what? I shouldn't even have to work for that because I am grandiose. I am superior to everybody else and I'm entitled to it. That's what it drinks. And our culture, absolutely ripe for entitlement. We're entitled to a free education. We're entitled to free healthcare. We're entitled to free food stamps. We're entitled to free whatever, fill in the blank. We're entitled to high paying jobs. We shouldn't have to work for that. We should be able to just get it. The American culture right now is ripe with the, the substance that narcissism needs to survive. How does it exercise? There are, there are a few ways that it exercises. It goes out and it, it gets this exercise by exploiting people. It gets its exercise by creating envy, but also being envious. It does both of those. It creates envy. Oh, you should want to be like me because I'm amazing. But all the while in the background, it's saying create envy because I'm envious. Like they might have it better than me. What if, what if I'm not as entitled as I, I believe I am? Well, I can't project that. So I cover that up and I create envy. And in our culture, that's easy. We look at numbers. How many followers do you have? How many friends do you have? How many boards are you on? Uh, have you made any policy changes in politics that are worthwhile? Create envy. And then the third one is it, it shows arrogance. What does that mean? It means it can do whatever it wants. And whether you agree with this or not, in our culture, the idea of freedom, which is theoretically an amazing idea, is where this sneaks in. The idea of entitlement, the idea of arrogance is I have the right. I can say and do whatever I want. I have that right. I, I have, uh, you know, the, the, the confidence. That's what they would hide behind. Because why? Because I live in a free country. But the whole time we look at that arrogance and we say, to do what? to exploit others, to be vengeful and hateful. I mean, with freedom comes some risks. And as something that my grandfather used to tell me, freedom is not free. It has never been free. Somebody is paying the price. If you are lucky enough to experience freedom, there is nothing there to be arrogant or haughty about. Why? Because somebody probably died so that you could have that freedom. Somebody probably already paid the price. Or, as we are finding in 2023, somebody will 
pay the price. And this is where our country right now in America is ripe, like Petri dish clean start ripe for that arrogance. Because what we are doing right now is borrowing from our children and our grandchildren so that we can have freedom today. We are stealing it from tomorrow. Rather than paying it forward, we're taking it from our children and our grandchildren, which makes us very ripe for this arrogance. I mean, look, I can take it from the past. The past, they already paid it. I'm not living in the past. A great place to see this, race wars. When we talk about race in America, the arrogance, the arrogance to say, we want reparations. Now, I am I, not a fan of slavery. In my entire life, have never been a fan of slavery. But the arrogance that it takes to say, because of my past in my family and where we came from, I am entitled to reparations. Forget that every culture known in history has had, uh, you know, slavery in it. Forget that. Forget that slavery has touched every race, black, white, brown, you name it, it has touched it. Forget all of that and just focus on our own arrogance that I am deserving. I am entitled and I want revenge. That's how it exercises. It exercises through those, which makes the American culture right now ripe for narcissism. So now we come to when does it fall asleep and how long can we keep it asleep or dormant? There's two pieces here that I want to highlight. Two. First and foremost, narcissism, it's, it's preoccupied with fantasies. Fantasies of success, power, brilliance, beauty, the ideal love. It's obsessed with these things. And if you want to make it go to sleep, you uncover the fantasy. You take away that preoccupation and it'll get tired. It'll get tired. So what does that mean? Truth. Truth is a key element. A key element to help it go to sleep, go dormant. If you want it to go dormant, speak truth. Not your truth. The truth. Reality. You can speak your feelings. That's fine. Narcissism doesn't necessarily lean hard onto the feelings part of it. So you can speak your feelings, but don't be naive to the truth. Speak the truth. Okay? As you see it, Speak the truth and be open to understanding that what you see of the truth may not be the truth. 
It's the three blind people who approach, approach an elephant. You know, one at the tail, one at the leg, one at the trunk. They all experience very different things. But if they speak the truth as they experience it, and they are open to the understanding of others, we can put a better, more realistic truth together. It's not my way is right. My fantasy is reality. That doesn't work. We need to make that go to sleep. And the other one, and this has historically been a, one, of the, one of the key elements for, for the uh, dormant, creating a dormant narcissism or the cure, right? It, it may not actually be a cure, but it will, it will make it go to sleep. And that is empathy. An attempt to see the world as if you're someone else, but without taking on their baggage. Empathy and narcissism, they don't get along. So if you turn your world toward curiosity of truth, what you're going to see is fantasies subside. Knowledge and truth will rise Empathy, empathy is what does that. It turns that key in the lock to open the door and say, come on in narcissism, get in there and go to sleep. We don't want you here anymore. And in our culture right now, what we have is rampant fantasies and a complete lack of empathy. The same people who will look you in the eye and say, you need to be kind, are going to say things like, you need to be kind, you racist bigot. Um, hello? Anybody see the irony there? What is up with that? Empathy doesn't mean I can make you be empathetic. Empathy means I can become empathetic. And we know factually in the mental health world, we can practice and improve empathy, which is why I have nine, nine options out there so far that you can go back and watch or listen to that teach empathy. Practical application of empathy. You can see them on Rumble, YouTube. You can see them uh, or listen to them on pretty much every major platform. And I do that because that is one of the cures. Reduce fantasy. Improve empathy. Create a more realistic truth. And narcissism fades and goes to sleep. And that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to put narcissism to sleep. Why do we want to do that? Because these things are unhealthy. We don't want people running around thinking they're better than everybody else. You may be the very best at one thing in this world. But that means that you are not the best at pretty much everything else. You may be the greatest athlete, but maybe you're not the most brilliant mind. You may be the most brilliant mind, but maybe you can't shoot a basketball to save your life. You may be able to see social injustice and justice clearly, 
but maybe you're a terrible communicator. So even though you see it clearly, you need a mouthpiece. You need somebody who can help convey that message to others. Look, we can be great at things and still carry the humility to know that we are not the best at everything. With that, I'm going to let you go and ponder. I hope this was useful. Thanks for joining us and have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information.